0: Hey guys, my name is Jackie Zabrowski. And I'm Holden McNeely, and we are so excited to announce page seven at wizard and the bruiser live los angeles we are coming at you december 11th at 8 p.m at the regent theater and then we've got some midwest dates in early january that's january 9th in chicago illinois at lincoln hall we've got the crow football room in pontiac michigan the very next night on january 10th and on january 11th we will be rocking the pabst and that is going to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I can't wait to eat a bunch of cheese curds. Come freeze with us. Get tickets at lastpodcastnetwork.com slash P7 Live. Again, freeze with us. Every ticket can be bought at lastpodcastnetwork.com slash P7 Live. Can't wait to see you all there. Bye. Hello, everybody. It's your Black Parade band-leading bruiser, Holden McNeely.
1: And it is I, your, uh, dead. But, but don't kill yourself. Just be cool with death, but don't be too cool with death. Like death, like death is totally real and cool, but don't kill yourself. That's shitty. But death is good. Wizard Jake.
0: Jake, I am not okay. (laughs) Because we have a guest today. And his name is Alex Patak.
1: Well, I don't know. I didn't know how to say that. That was good. That was good. Like, we'll carry on with this podcast.
0: Alex Patak, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm Alex, the guest. <laughs> you can be some other class in a D&D campaign.
2: I'm the bassist. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes the reason.
0: So, and we're here to talk about Gerard Way and My Chemical Romance. And this is actually a Patreon-sponsored episode. Thank you so much, Jake Lasconis. Jake has this to say for my sister, Hillary. She's not only the one who introduced me to Gerard Way, but also the one that introduced me to the last podcast on the left. And ex facto introduced me to your podcast. She's always been there for me. We're from Rockford, Illinois. She moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hey, come to our live show. Over the the years, we've grown uh, apart a bit, so I just want to give her a shout-out to show. I love and appreciate her. That's so sweet. Um, So there you go. Let's get into it. My Chemical Romance. I, until this past week, was not a fan. (laughs) I actually realize now, it's funny because I feel like, you know, Recently, I've become a big fan of a lot of, like, pop music and things like that and a lot of things that passed me by because I maybe thought I was like, you know what I mean? When my chemical romance was huge personally – um, I feel like I was co- a college kid. I only listen to like jazz music and like classic rock, and like that's, what are the kids listening to? That's you know not what I mean?
3: that's not
1: a stereotype about college students. Yeah, well, I feel like you know, you know kids, I mean?
0: college students, they're always pulling out their large
1: viola <laughs> and listening to some hard bop. I just I feel like I was trying
0: to be some some kind of classy thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And 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 I very
1: much so have a.
0: I feel like oh, I no, remember.
1: I get what you're saying, and it's that. Uh, When you're in the late stages of college, when you're like entering young adulthood, it's not about like still feeling all those raw teenage emotions. It's about trying way too hard to To, prove how cool. And unfeeling and you over are. it, you yeah, are, exactly. Right, because I did this music definitely would have
0: spoken to me if it happened to me in middle or high school. I think I just missed it. I do remember probably going home for Christmas or something, because that's when I would like be watching MTV, seeing the video for Helena, and being like, "Oh, that's what the kids are into these days." But it not really coffins, huh?
2: <laughs> Interesting choice. And there's a woman coming out of it.
0: <laughs> not what I would have picked, but it's the holidays. <laughs> Happy Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> but um. But it was more in a way of like, oh, that's what the kids are – you know what I mean? And then coming back to the music now, listening to um, uh, all of the albums, especially, of course – Three cheers for sweet revenge! Did I say that right? I had yeah, well, I want to point out he looked at a piece of I paper before he said paper. that one. And the <laughs> Black Parade, and like honestly, especially for me, the Black Parade. Even Let though, like, us
1: not forget their inaugural album. You got bullets, <laughs> I got your friends. I don't actually have any to notes. To be in a
2: room with two super fans,
1: <laughs> really,
2: it puts
0: me just like. That's why we need you. It puts me you. at home. We need you. But I will say this: over the past, you know, week and a half, whatever that I've been researching this. I've been lis- I've been like rocking the albums. <laughs> like I listened to the live Black Parade album last night and was like, "Fuck, this is good." Uh-huh. And being like, "Shit!" Like looking up, it's already sold out. I so could have been no- there. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like, man, this would have been so much fun. And I was um, the only fan with disposable income, <laughs> <laughs> and still I did nothing. <laughs> so for me personally, I've come to them. This week, and therefore, and especially why we have our guest today, Jake. Do you have a personal relationship? You
1: nailed the. Okay. You nailed the exact. I missed my well, window. It is a
0: Really good song, and that video is great. And like,
1: yeah. <laughs> we'll get into why. <laughs> we'll
0: get into why. Uh, the whole thing, learning about um, you know, everything about like the backstories and the concepts behind the, these albums, and everything that they were going for. I I just love when people swing for the fences, which is what I feel like they did with the Black Parade in a huge way. Um and honestly I just like I just like straight up really like really like it. Like I really like that album. Um so Alex. Oh what? You are a man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a man. <laughs> you might be deceived. Uh-huh. But I would like to ask you um what did you, what was your past with My Chemical Romance? Uh. And, um and and thank you for for wearing the eyeliner for us this week. <laughs> That's
2: well. actually I'm just sick. <laughs> but thank you, thank you for having me. Um, uh, I I had a deeply passionate uh My Chemical Romance love affair. Now I'm a, a spot younger than you two gentlemen, but uh, I also was not enjoying this music when it was a cool thing to be enjoying this music. <laughs> I did not let anyone know I was listening to this music I would uh, I, it was like right when the iPod video came out ah. I watched the Black Parade video mm-hmm. before I went to sleep and I would make the little the mouth sounds when the thing came out but none of the words would come out because it's our little secret <laughs> between me and my handsome dead boy <laughs> and so I would listen to the songs every day and then just I'd just go back out I was like in high school and I'd go out to the go out to do sports or whatever and be like what are you up to just fucking Metallica man uh. Doing like I'm just like lifting weights in real life and with the music I enjoy. So
1: There's a there's something to that, because uh, there's a reason why this band was one of the biggest bands on the Internet back in the day. And it's because they were like they weren't hard enough to be like the fucking kids in the you know smoking in the bathroom like playing with knives
2: this isn't smoking in the boys room music <laughs>
0: <I'm>,
1: no it's <laughs> not it's isn't is into the crying boys and in the library
0: music thank you very
2: much this isn't
1: you know and it's not like uh it's not like feel good theater music it's not pop music it's like for the freaks of the freaks it's it's this very specific zone that was not catered to at that time and everybody kind of just found each other online and created this weird like fan base
2: it's just it's music you listen to if you felt like you were dead and you were like <laughs> who's like me who feels like they're a skeleton <laughs> see i feel a strong attachment to this as an adult with my own podcast now because i am on uh pod Damn america america's yeah, premier goth socialist pod, uh, uh, podcast <laughs> and our entire thing is at the beginning of the show hey we're like hey welcome to pod Damn america oh look cause, spooky witch all right now back to whatever we were doing and that is exactly what this band does for being a sad teen they just throw in spooky halloween elements to stuff that already
1: exists Mm. because the one thing you're not allowed to talk about when you're in the suburbs otherwise you get slapped by your mom and like then your gim-gam starts crying is you can't just be like Hey, the meatloaf's good. Everybody dies. <laughs> what the fuck? Because you're a teenager and it's just dawning on you, and everything's so real and powerful, and like you can't. Everything has to be clean and perfect. And but also, the you know it's scary uh, if you're like a GG. You know you can't be like a fucking actual rebel punk. Right. No, you can't show emotions.
2: Right? Yeah. There's no urban centers. You're not allowed to talk about death, and you're not allowed to talk about uh, available public transportation. <laughs> <laughs> These are the two taboos.
0: Yeah, and it's this actually came at an interesting time for me because I actually also get. We'll get into it later with Helena, but I also I watched the farewell this week, and I had a grandmother that passed this year, and a bunch of other fucking people that passed. Oh,
1: this the Aquafina movie. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, it's, and it's so. Is good. that where it's, you first saw the hell of the video? Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, but yeah, I I, I was. This all kind of resonated with me in a certain ways. Uh, uh, in terms of its exploration of. Of what it is to to confront other people in your life dying, to confront uh, the prospect of your own mortality. Did you see them live at all?
2: I saw them. Um, there is a poster in my brother's room from the concert we went to, and the dealer doesn't remember the name of it. It was, I think, two thousand four <laughs> uh, for the iconic Project with a K Revolution tour. <laughs> We're talking My Chemical Romance, Linkin Park, and Taking Back Sunday. <laughs> all in one curled, gloved, fingerless <laughs> fist. Slamming you with emotions until you went home. I remember that that was such an interesting dynamic of music fans because there were all the emotional teens and then girls who wanted to see the beautiful boys. And then just like, <laughs> The drunkest shirtless men in Massachusetts who had all joined together around Lincoln Park's musics to fight the security guards <laughs> at the stadium for no apparent reason. I saw a guy get thrown over a balcony.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that reminds me of the energy I confronted uh when I was just a kid and I went to see Wu-Tang Rage. Oh, one. And it was I was just That's like, a way cooler concept. I was like, I'm in a war zone right now. Like, I am in a Everybody wants to murder everybody at this show right now, though. It was kind of insane um but going back to the sad boy music yes um so what were they like live now
2: this is interesting they look
0: great they um, first of all looks oh
2: <laughs> no room for improvement 10 out of 10 but here's the thing they were doing that you're not expecting because you're expecting if it's sad boy music you know somebody gets up there with a the guitar and they play a song and then maybe they're just like Will I hurt myself? And you're like, no! And then they don't. Uh, that is not what happened. They play it like you two. They go up there, and, like, flames shoot out of the ground and the lights sparkle behind them. It's like a parade of uh, visuals yeah. in a way, which I think is exactly what they were going for at this time.
1: Right. Yeah, it's, it's a weird mix. We, like, it's not. Just template emo. It's not just some like guy in, in his fact, living room. people will
0: life. fight you if you call it emo. Yes, I think a lot of people will hurt you if they no, call it emo. It's because
1: it. emo became this weird blanket term that like football play jocks would just be like, uh, you know, them shitty emotion music from yeah. the- that those kids. It's just the music the kids I beat up listened to was all put in the emo bucket
2: oh feelings music yeah
1: <laughs> yeah exactly uh but i bet your
2: dad hugs you
1: <laughs> but it's like uh you know they were drawn drawing from like uh melodic hardcore new jersey's like weird punk scene uh the just arena rock they're just like being like oh we want to be smashing pumpkins meets freddie mercury meets like fucking pantera like you know it's it's everything that they threw in was not the same <laughs> from the same place right. as emo but you had someone with black hair going, ah, and then like it's all yeah. I'm wearing the long <laughs> gloves and stuff.
0: What album were they touring off of at that time? That was Black Parade. Black Parade. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So you got to see like the.
2: It was pretty good, yeah. I don't like to brag, but uh, (laughs) it's all been downhill since there. Are you you one of those people,
0: people too, though, that are like, I'm more of like a Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge guy, or uh, or did you love the Black Parade one? I
2: have now reached a level of maturity where I can say I definitely liked Black Parade the best. Yeah, me too. Although I have appreciation for the two before it in different ways where you're just like, I can't pick which of my children is the best.
0: Yeah, I think Three Cheers is like maybe more consistent and more like a specific sound and style that really – an energy that stays true the whole time whereas the Black Parade is a lot more all over the place and dynamic and you know a concept album.
2: Three Cheers though has the thing that you run into in emo music sometimes where you listen to it and you're all about the song but then you sing the words and you're like I am genuinely embarrassed by everything
1: (laughs) happening here. (laughs) Well that's another thing about uh, my chemical romance that uh, like I don't mean this as like a, a swipe I mean this like lovingly it is great music for teens because it sounds grown up yeah, yeah. like these feelings these larger in life topics like death and lost love and all these it's like, the
2: trench coat you and a friend can get under yeah. stacked on each other's shoulders to be a big boy <laughs>
1: yeah and now through the lens of time and gross decay I can be like all right that's huh. thanks and- thanks for writing a tale about like uh, what it feels like to be on chemo, guy who is just like <laughs> in a band after his cartooning career went
0: sideways. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's jump into it, shall we? Shall let's we get into yeah, this the, is fascinating. The this history is of Gerard riot. Way and uh, My Chemical Romance. You can't talk about My Chemical Romance without talking about Gerard Way. He was born in Summit, New Jersey, in 1977, and raised in Belleville, New Jersey. And he uh, slept in a coffin until he was eight years old. <laughs> is that true? No. no. <laughs> So
2: How, I, you're reading off a paper right now. So Why would you lie to me?
1: I have family in this part of New Jersey and okay. it is a very weird energy because uh, it's like suburban sprawl, but incredibly compact. The houses are real close together. Uh, you know, these buildings have been around forever. You're like within the shadow, within like the shadow of all like the violence and horrors of Newark, but also within arm's reach of like the glitz and glamor of New York. It's this kind of, a uh, liminal space of a community to grow up in. So, like, there are these high creative aspirations, but also like stay inside after dark. <laughs> right.
0: Mm. Right. And uh, you don't and- want to get jumped by Zach Braff. <laughs> 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 and it was his grandmother, Elena Lee Rush, who taught him to sing, paint, and perform. Who was essentially like. His ultimate influence when he was growing up, uh, she's, he, uh, Gerard Way said, she has taught me everything I know. And uh, bought him his first guitar at just eight years old. And he, of course, uh, will end up writing the song Helena in memory of her. We'll get to that later. Um, and, All great work comes from a grandma's boy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or there's always a lot of times in these, now that we've done so many of these stories, it's really true. There's always like some... Grandmother or grandfather, somebody that like sort of imparted the wisdom. You
1: know, grandparents imparting wisdom, giving you wet kisses on the forehead, handing you the amulet with whose purpose has yet to be revealed.
0: <laughs> you know,
2: Gimge. The- <laughs> demanding you avenge them. Oh,
1: Constantly dude. Constantly demanding. Guys, how old were you when you avenged your
2: grandma? <laughs> when se- I
1: stuck the sword in the ambassador, I was like, she'd love this.
0: <laughs> Want to feel old? My grandma is unavenged. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was singing with his brother, Mikey Way, uh, starting in fourth grade, playing Peter Pan in a school musical production. But also with his brother, he got really into Iron Fucking Maiden and the Misfits and Danzig and Black Flag and Queen. Very importantly, Queen and Pulp and Blur and Morrissey and the Smiths, you know, sad, fun, rocky music you know, of all kinds, you know, uh, that sort of stuff. And he played in a few different bands as a kid, such as, and I love this one, Ray Gunn Jones. <laughs> Good I think name. That's, Yeah, it's a solid name. Nancy Drew is another one, um, which would also include future uh, MCR bandmate Ray Toro. But to little success, of course, this is so natural, though. You kind of float around different bands.
1: He claims he was kicked out of both bands because he didn't know how to play guitar that well. (laughs) Yeah, not being good enough at playing I have
0: that down as well. That is one of the better reasons to be kicked out (laughs) of a band. I just love, in hindsight, they're like, oh, he actually sucks like... You don't want to find out first what he can do.
1: The other thing that I remember uh, hearing in the, I think it was, yeah, the official like tour documentary that got released with one of their DVDs was uh, he loved playing Peter Pan uh, but was mercilessly mocked for it because, believe it or not, he was a sensitive chubby boy who had to prance <laughs> around in tights, and word got out that the role is traditionally uh, played by a woman, so he was brutally mocked for that as well, thus kind of making him draw back on his aspirations of being a vocalist <laughs>
0: <laughs> also when he was 15 years old i can relate to this because this happened to me as well he was held up at gunpoint i was robbed at a blockbuster a guy really? shot at me. yeah it was crazy um, I've told this story numerous times, but yeah, it was it was nuts. You know, I'll ask I mean?
2: about it later. Oh yeah, he went
0: like boom, and I was like ah, and I like <laughs> got down on the fetal, and then the manager stepped in, and then he finally got out of there. It was very <laughs> scary though. He said I got held up with a three fifty seven, three fifty seven Magnum, had a gun pointed to my head, and put on the floor execution style. Oh my god. Uh, also, uh, so he uh, graduated high school in nineteen ninety five, and then he ends up going on to the School of Visual Arts in NYC getting a BFA in 1999 as he was trying to break into the comic books biz. So this is one of the big things. This is where it starts. We start talking about comic books being synonymous with Gerard Way as well as music, right? And he's working uh, uh, as an intern for Cartoon Network in 2001 in New York City during the attacks of 9-11.
1: Okay, so this is where there's a weird, like— There's a version of Gerard's story that is told in um, a lot of, like, early media about the band, that he was, like, this hermit that was, like, locked away in a deep depression, wouldn't leave his basement, just focusing on his comic art. Right. And that uh, uh, in one documentary I watched on YouTube... And then he found a law.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Propelling him to music. Uh, The...
1: uh, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah. And then like through the violence of 9-11, he emerged like a fiery storm. But like the truth is he was doing well. He had gotten a paid gig with Marvel. He was interning at. Um,
0: I love the action figure thing that you yeah, sent me. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. This is amazing. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he was out of school. Uh, he had an uh, internship at um, uh, working for Mo Willems Sheep in the Big City. Which is like a great cartoon show. He even got as far as getting uh, a chance to pitch his own original series to Cartoon Network. Right, which was the one you
0: sent me, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: Breakfast Monkey. Incredibly inspired
0: by Ren and Stimpy, can I just and And Powdered Toast Man, can I just say uh, that? Very
1: to? much so, uh, with like, uh, it's, he describes it as this uh, monkey that was uh, had the voice of Bjork that could manifest breakfast superpowers in people. Also,
0: I believe at one point the monkey says, right right when he's telling his backstory, When I was a young boy, which is kind of amazing.
1: Uh, It's a good
2: line. you are not just going to write
0: that and throw it away.
2: (laughs) Uh, The monkey show's not coming out.
1: He introduces a character called Crazy Boy who sings a funny song, and that song was co-written by Ray Toro way before they were in a band together. The thing is, though, when it was uh, time for the Cartoon Network execs to come in and see his pitch, which from uh, previous episodes, so many amazing tales of cartoons start with just, an individual creator with clear vision, uh, giving an amazing pitch to the Sponge execs.
0: SpongeBob, Avatar the Last Airbender, yeah. to name a, just a couple. Those invader were all, Zim, invader all these. Zim, big pitch moments.
2: Uh, Look under your chairs. You'll find Gurr. <laughs> <gir. laughs>
1: that meeting was going to take place on 9-11. So the dream is canceled. He's stuck in Hoboken, and he is standing around with 400 other commuters that like, can see the buildings on fire. And he just watches them collapse and hears the panic and horror in everyone around him.
0: Way said, I literally said to myself, fuck art. I've got to get out of the basement. I've got to see the world. I've got to make a difference. And he writes a song uh, called Skylines and Turnstiles, which you would probably recognize on the very first
1: very familiar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My Chemical Broken Romance album. City.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, for, a lot of those songs in the first album blur together for me. I, yeah. They're very fast, very punky. So he gets up
0: with drummer uh, Matt Pellissier, Pellissier.
1: Well, we won't need to know his name for long.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. So who gives a shit? He, he forms uh, uh, My Chemical Romance. Uh, he recruits what will become. I don't think they have oh, even okay. had a name so, yet. So let's, uh, and he brings in Ray Toro.
1: So he brings in Ray Toro. He brings in his brother Mikey. The name is chosen by Mikey because it uh is based on yes a British short story collection. Yes. like called, all good
0: bands. Yeah, of course.
1: Uh, I believe it's like uh Three Tales of Chemical Romance. I have
0: it. Yeah, uh, b- because he was working uh uh at Barnes & Noble at the time and there was an Irvine Welsh uh collection of essays called Ecstasy: Three Tales of Chemical Romance. Um <laughs> <laughs> lightning crashes. I'm just going to weirdly make the Dracula mo a few times throughout this.
1: While they're forming the band and while they're getting the demos together and while they're like getting to, while we're they're doing what we're doing uh while we're describing what they're doing, Gerard got a job working for Funhouse Industries, which was a contractor that worked for Toy Biz, the uh company that made like all your favorite Marvel comics action figures back in the day. And his job was literally to take old unsold Spider-Man figures and like refigure them into new ideas that can be sold separately. So like, so Gerard way is who you have to thank for Safari Spider-Man. That's right. <laughs> Everyone knows it. Safari Spider-Man. The best also, one's the beach bump. Yeah. Spider-Man. There's, yeah, there's lifeguard, Spider-Man, Spider-Man firefighter, <laughs> Spider-Man. It's all the same figure so in stupid. different packaging with different accessories. And he made
0: this. So Jake sends me this Facebook post that Gerard way made like well after the fact being like i this is a, actually a really fun job i had to quit to like go on tour with my chemical romance but like i really loved doing this and like had a picture of safari Spider-Man. i do not
2: regret safari
1: spider-man please stop emailing me i'm proud of my work so I, yeah i just want to stress that like the the fantasy of gerard way makes him out to be this screeching archangel from the ashes of 911, when really he was just like a guy who graduated art school was like finding a couple of gigs and just like had a got inspired got by a 9/11. big reminder yeah, yeah. that uh, you know life is short and before he settles down and picks a like a career that he might be at forever, he wants to try some weird shit and right. that's fine. I like that. That's as good of a legend as the fucking other legend.
2: But that one quote though, the one quote of I stopped all of my art and decided to make a difference tells you everything you need to know about this guy, where that follow-up action is creating my <laughs> chemical romance. <laughs> that is his joining the army or whatever. I know. It sounds like it's like I need to
0: start stop making my art to make other art. <laughs>
2: what do you <laughs> consider
0: this if that's not your art? <laughs> so he brings in Ray Toro. Toro also grew up in New Jersey in a small house with his parents and two brothers he started taking guitar lessons in high school as well as typing lessons to gain more dexterity for the guitar he played a in a bunch of bands the Rodneys uh with drummer Matt Pellessier that's probably the connection there he went to uh William Patterson University in Jersey for film and Toro said being in a band wasn't really a dream of mine. I always wanted to write music. I enjoy recording more in the process of writing. I never thought that being in a touring band was a possibility. I enjoyed getting a bunch of scenes and cutting it together so it makes sense. I made one short film about a guy who is obsessed with eating eggs every day. He finally opens up this egg carton and there's one egg left. But he can't crack it open, so he gets driven insane. At <laughs> a scream here? <laughs> Um, so anyways, uh, he brings in, uh, he's, uh, introduced to Gerard Way actually via his friend, uh, Sean Dillon in the late nineties and later joined up with him and Pelesier for practice sessions in Pelesier's attic. And this is where they're really going to start. This is the, like the barn Nirvana's barn. This is like the, the, the space where they really start bringing their sound together and just practicing for hours. Gerard said, we've f- all felt like, a- uh, outcasts. That's what brought us together. We thrive on conflict, opposition, everything. I've always felt like that. And it's always that need to prove everybody wrong. And, you know, I think that that's, like, the best motivator is I, watched, I went to theater school. I got kicked out of acting school, right, and, like, made it my life mission to prove those people wrong. And I saw other actors get really coddled there, and they're all just living in some small town now, like, doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm sure they're happy or whatever, but you know what I mean? I think it really takes that feeling to drive you to do really great things um just get in a room
2: where you can all be your own different kind of spider-man
0: yes <laughs> maybe you're yeah. like a freak spider-man or a safari spider-man or an astronaut spider-man <laughs> in fact if everybody would just dress like spider-man and get into a room with a bunch of musical instruments i think you could really make something happen there
1: i'd i'd pay that for it i'd buy I'd that pay for it.
0: five dollars to <laughs> see him Maybe like a few minutes of that.
1: (laughs) Uh, Uh, Peter Parker and the Spider-Man coming to a town near you.
0: So they called the first recordings the Attic Demos, and that's where they ended up uh, putting together the songs Our Lady Sorrows and Cubicles. Uh, And so Gerard's brother Mikey ends up hearing some demos, and he says, fuck it, drops out of college, joins the band, And they get attached to, or they at least get their first record out uh, via Eyeball Records.
1: Now, Eyeball Records is an institution of the Jersey hardcore scene. Hell yeah. And Jersey is like a, there's a reason why it has like, you know, this, you know, everything from Springsteen to Bon Jovi. And it is densely populated. So like, it's a small town scene with... Seven million extra people in it, you know yeah. what I mean. So there's a ton of bands, and you got and New York not right, a lot of space. Yeah, you
0: got New York right across the river too. So all these just all these opportunities for different gigs. So Eyeball puts out albums by artists such as Thursday, Murder by Death, The Gaslight Anthem, among many others. And it's through Eyeball that they meet Frank Iero, who was the lead vocalist and guitarist for a band called Pincy Prep. Um, Iero also a New Jersey native, obviously all these Jersey people, spent a lot of his childhood in the hospital with bronchitis and ear infections. He was that kid. And uh, he had tons of food allergies and whatnot. And he, uh, however, he had a very musical father and grandfather who greatly influenced him to get into the field. He goes to Rutgers University while playing punk- in the punk band Pinsy Prep. And uh, they put out their first and only album for Eyeball Records. And then they end up breaking up. They kind of had like a shitty Midwest tour that, was awful and just a lot of infighting. And so um, they just, he meets Gerard way and the rest of MCR at the, at that time. And at the perfect time, he, he liked their early demos and he ends up helping them get their first shows in Jersey and was offered uh, the slot of rhythm guitar, with My Chemical Romance just before they go into the studio to record their first album, and he's only on like two or three tracks.
2: That lucky duck, lucky if, dude. If you could be a rhythm guitarist in that room,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were also they were friends before that. Uh, like uh, Toro looked up to him and was like, they actually mirrored like Pensy's work, like. Schedule and and rehearsal schedule as inspiration for them. They were you know they they were the older brothers that they were trying to be like.
2: You have the most eyeliner out of anyone I know. <laughs> I respect you so much. Uh,
1: but this recording session for their first album is l- a legendary clusterfuck.
0: Oh my god, dude! My yeah, some of my favorite little tidbits are out of this recording session. First of all, produced by Thursday vocalist Jeff uh, Rickley in two thousand two. I know Thursday was huge for like I don't know how I would. Do I call them emo? I'm scared to call anything emo, so I don't best, want the best not. Best, to get mad at Yeah, me. yeah. They make music that people liked that made them sad. That's <laughs> true. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're a oh post hardcore band. There you go. I have it in my notes. no nice. Doubt. Look at your notes. Look to the notes, baby. Uh, my
1: Chemical Romance actually ambushed uh, <laughs> actually ambushed Rickley because uh, he had just gotten home from a shitty from a tour, and they show up at his door, and he's like, uh, "What do you want?" And they're like please like help us with our album. And he's like, I would, but you know, I got a a tour coming up. They're like, yes, you have a 10 day break between tours. Help us. And (laughs) you're like, well fuck, and so 7 days of his 10 days off was making this first my chemical romance. I and mean,
2: also it so I- sucks, dude. <laughs> that's know. not
0: restful at all. <laughs> also, um it makes a lot of sense cuz Thursday did help popularize like a darker emo sound, a screamy sound. So that's really up their alley that's for true. what they're doing. They're trying to capture
2: the feeling after hump day. <laughs> yeah, just you that put shit. It, just put it on a record. Just like what that feels <laughs> like. That's a good feeling. (laughs) you are like
1: almost
3: at the weekend. But it it also feels bad because it's far away.
1: (laughs) This is a quote by Rickley about working with with young fucking proto-baby My Chemical Romance. Gerard had a billion great ideas, and he was very excited about it all. Mikey had a great record collection but had no idea how to play bass. <laughs> Ray was the sort of guy you'd find working in a guitar shop, one of the people who'd be hard to deal with because he'd be, he would be—he thinks he's a much better player than anywhere when anyone else. I believe it. Otter, uh, whatever, policier the drummer, yeah. uh, was messy, <laughs> and oh, the thing but was— Pellissier
2: fans are furious right no, now. No, <laughs>
1: notoriously, he could not keep time. He would like or all these early tracks, if you have the ear for it, you can hear when he loses the tempo and starts speeding things up. <laughs> um the thing was, they had great ideas. Ray would have tons of all these different guitar parts he'd want to try, and I would ask him, how are you going to play those live? And he just shrugged and would go, I'll just choose the important parts and the not-so-important parts. I thought <laughs> if they're that important to you, then you need to get another guitar player to play that to play with you.
2: I've had a lot of dreams where this happens to me, <laughs> where I have no idea how to play guitar, but they're like, you just got to go up there. Just make it look like you're playing guitar. And like, it's working.
1: While they were recording, Gerard was... Uh, Going fucking psycho with uh, weird pains that he couldn't describe. It would start in his stomach and then go to his head. And he was like screaming in agony and punching walls and like fucking up people's cars. Well, that was
0: caused by the dental abscess,
1: correct? Yeah, he needed his fucking gums were infected with Gross shit. So, and yeah, his a, wisdom, I thought denti- it would
2: be like a demon or something. Right. Really. Well, that's the
1: thing. They want you to think it's a demon. He was like, Oh, the pain. Ah. And everyone no. was like, Oh, he's got the fucking demon. He feels in.
0: all of the lives
1: lost. <laughs> yeah, they, literally. In the, <laughs> the demon came in the form
0: of a localized collection of pus associated with a tooth uh and generally causes extreme sharp shooting and throbbing pain that is continuous, as says Wikipedia. And you feel it in your stomach? Um, I, I think, I believe I remember having tooth pain that's so shooting and terrible that, like, you feel it in your guts. Oh, tooth no. Tooth pain's horrible. You have to
2: or go to if, the dentist immediately. If or you if
1: you're loaded pain. up on painkillers, that does wreck your stomach, too. Oh, true. If you want to be, like, a really,
2: <laughs> really, like, goth band, you should just base yourself around dental pain. Yeah. <laughs> just br- don't brush it. <laughs> well, that, that's of the worst thing. No, that but literally,
1: happen. like, goth, like, the fucking woe goth pain is, like, from fucking consumption and gout and all these, like, very old-timey yeah.
2: Victorian diseases. Some TB. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so, do we name the album I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love? It is. Uh, it tells the story— It's a name, again, you just feel good
2: saying out loud. <laughs> you want to tell your friends it's something you listen to and then you stand by it.
0: <laughs> uh, the album tells the story of two Bonnie and
2: Clyde-style no, no, no. lovers.
1: I want to tell them the album of the name. I will never tell them the name of the best song— vampires will never hurt you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, telling the story of two Bonnie and Clyde-style lovers who get gunned down in the street uh, on the final song, Demolition Lovers. Uh, and the text Love it. Heard the, it on the way here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I listen to the album. It's not... I,
2: I, I like cubicles. I like I, yeah. headfirst for halos. Go, yeah. They have these weird tracks that like do not fit in with the rest of what they're doing. They're just great. like, they're still here! <laughs> They told me to make something.
0: (laughs) Uh, The text on the artwork for the album reads, the story of a man, a woman, and the corpses of a thousand evil men. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the song what? The song Early Sunsets Over Monroeville is described by Way as, quote, a sweet song about Dawn of the Dead. They're having influences of that. Also, the vampire shit is because he was working on a comic book about vampires, and I think that, that fell through, and so he just put the it into song. The vampires
2: are a metaphor for vampires.
0: Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Can um, I go into
1: another quote? Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, this is, again, from the recording. Uh, I was about to – this is Gerard. I was about to sing Vampires Will Never Hurt You. There was a storm forming outside. My teeth were hurting and then Alex, the uh, head of Eyeball Records, uh, came up to me and gave me a hug and punched me right in the mouth. I think he did the right thing to tell you the truth. I was very jittery and real nervous. I think the punch was motivational. It was an act of love, but I was fucking riled up. I went to the mic and nailed it the first time. (laughs) Then our engineer went... Fuck, that was amazing. Uh, But could you do it again? I was just setting the levels, Uh, so I did it again, almost exactly the same. We listened to it. We listened to it in the van ride back, and it was just the loudest, gnarliest, darkest, most melodic song I've ever heard. It was fucking amazing.
0: And it also on the disc. Flawless impression, by the way. (laughs) On the disc is written: unauthorized duplication is a violation of applicable laws and will result in Gerard coming to your house and sucking your blood.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That
2: sucks so bad. (laughs) I'm
0: cringing.
2: This This is the band we brought. We brought you on
3: because this is the
0: band you (laughs) love. I know.
1: So much of this podcast is, like, having to remind ourselves, like, no, it's that because they did it and it was cool that everyone else started doing it sh- more shittily, and right. that's it why it's now It was 2002 or whatever, yes. so yeah. Yeah.
2: you had a lot more room
0: to do vampire stuff then. <laughs> it, no, it's true,
1: though. It's true. <laughs>
0: um, so, uh, yeah, to promote, they played in and around the New Jersey area. This catches the attention of Brian Schechter, who felt they would be perfect to open for the band The Used. Yeah. Um, and this is another band that one would describe as emo, post-hardcore, screamo, alt rock, etc. I love the description for "I Brought You My Bullets." Um, it is a uh, the genres are emo, punk, hardcore punk, heavy metal, garage punk, screamo, post-hardcore, pop punk, and goth rock. And I think I cut a few out for that one. <laughs> so
1: they're making waves in the Jersey scene, and because of that, uh, they're actually getting a lot more play. Then just doing well in your local scene would do. The director,
0: whose yeah. eye they caught, ends up becoming their manager. Um, through they're through getting their a connection. lot of
1: play on like uh, college radios, and like if there's one thing about living in New York City is that you get a lot of like Jersey uh, college radio stations accessible to it. Guys, uh, you're not
2: going to believe this. Dracula
1: has been spinning our records for everyone <laughs> in the Hamlet, and so uh, there's this weird tension where they're touring, they're pushing the album, they're getting play, they're getting fans. But Eyeball Records really can't even produce enough discs to get it in the hands of the fans that are, like, catching word of them. Hmm. Oh, no. So there's a little bit of, there's a little problem.
0: Well, that is when they gain the attention of Reprise Records. Who, Woo! That makes a lot of sense, though. The Used are also signed to them. Schechter probably connected that as well. The Used, by the way, if you have not heard them, is a band, even when I was super into My Chemical Romance, I
2: would listen to and be like, I can't associate with this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is 2003. Um, and at this point, when they record Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, uh every single band member was living at home with their parents. Nice. So if you could Rent only is free if you do that. Yes. <laughs> which you can only but imagining that and what their next year is gonna be for this band. Like oh four is this legendary year for especially for them. Um so it started out as a semi-concept sequel to their debut, because of course Gerard Way said it's the story of a man and a woman who are separated by death in a gunfight, and he goes to hell only to realize by the devil Telling him that she's still alive, the devil says he can be with her again if he brings the devil the souls of a thousand evil men, and the man agrees to do it. And so the devil hands him a gun.
2: This is the plot of Cuphead.
0: (laughs) This is exactly (laughs) the plot of Cuphead. Cuphead. (laughs) So, uh, so by then, um, uh, in November of two thousand three. Gerard and Mikey's grandmother die. Elena, the woman who taught Gerard everything, as he says. And essentially what I love about this moment. But it's moment... not
1: just uh, that the grandma died. It's the tragic timing of it.
0: Yeah, it, well, but, because... but it's like amazing timing of it as well. Because going to this album, they're play acting as like dark brooding kids essentially this whole time. They're being like scene you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they don't really have a connection to like what it really means to like confront – a beloved family member dying, or something heavy like that. I don't think they'd ever really fully experience. They're which-
2: appropriating skeleton culture. Yes.
1: Can I can I read are fully a- appropriating <laughs>
0: vampire skeleton culture? And that's
1: not cool.
2: They in know nothing of the, of their beautiful history.
1: <laughs> Let me just read a brutal quote about this. Okay. Uh, from the My Chemical Romance pullout special from Kerrang! Magazine. So you know. The most trustworthy source.
2: Ladies, don't you hate it when your band pulls the My Chemical <laughs> ba- Romance pull-out special?
1: <laughs> that is its own better band name title. <laughs> uh, I wasn't with her when she died, and it took me a while to get over that. I was very angry with myself. She was in the hospital, and we had just gone home from a tour. I went to bed and woke up the next day, and she was dead. She died the night I got home.
0: Man. Aww. He also said about Helena... It's a really angry, open letter to myself. It's about why I wasn't around for this woman who was so special to me, why I wasn't there for the last year of her life. Self-hate is always a big part of the lyrics. I don't know why, but I've always hated myself. Hopefully that self-hate is growing into something else now. Hopefully it's grown into caring about myself and wanting to stay alive. I think that is a really meaningful sentiment. I feel like nothing up until Helena do we really get a meaningful, complex statement about... You know, what uh, about re- that kind of level of regret. You and mean dealing- that part of where the devil
2: tells you to kill a thousand people <laughs> wasn't emotional
0: for no, you? No, like, the- I don't feel like he, that really happened. I feel like that was a lie when that story that he told. I just he stole that from Mugman, <laughs> his good friend. Hey everybody, Holden here. And you guys, things get so complicated in the day-to-day life of a wizard bruiser such as myself so it's important to keep everything else as simple as possible that's why i simplify the morning and evening now with a simpler electric toothbrush from quip how so do you ask well first off brush heads are automatically delivered to your door on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five dollars it's a friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and it keeps that mouth healthy and when you actually do the brushing Quip keeps that simple too. The brush has a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and help you to clean your mouth evenly. Lastly, you also get a multi-use cover that works as a stand, mounts to mirrors, and slides over your bristles to pack and protect your Quip on the go, perfect for that holiday travel coming up. I love Quip because all of these things help me think about my daily routines a little bit less so I can focus on learning everything there is to know about comic book characters and whatnot. That's why I love Quip and why it's perfect for getting back into a routine. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash wizard right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com
1: slash wizard. I just want to say that the Helena music video uh, I love was it. directed by Mark Webb. Who is the guy who directed Amazing Spider-Man one and two? So you know it all comes full circle. It's all the fucking great, great tree of life.
2: He was the guy who thought of the idea where Spider-Man should shoot webs. He was, the, <laughs>
1: he was the guy that was like, uh, man, it would be great if uh, Gwen, as Gwen Stacy died, Spider-Man would shoot a web, then the web would look like a hand going no. <laughs> Uh, He also wanted Jamie Foxx to uh, blow up a giant electrical station that looked like a giant MP3 visualizer for no reason. That was also a thing he wanted.
0: On paper, these sound like like good ideas. (laughs) Uh, The other one of the other big songs on the album, of course, is I'm not okay. I'm not. okay. I'm actually really happy that song didn't come out when it would have been relevant to me (laughs) because it would have been just. I think bad for me. I think I would have. It would have all the. Yeah, see,
2: that's built in success though, because everyone has not been okay. Yes. So therefore, you're like, oh, a song for me.
0: (laughs) Uh, Of course, it was a way's high school experience if you've seen the music video finally
2: an album that captures the emotions of Thursday
0: (laughs) (laughs) the day (laughs) Uh, Gerard Way said of this song I just wanted somebody to love me picture a fat kid I fucking plumped up pretty good working at a comic book store and eating cheeseburgers all the time. On my first day in high school, sounds pretty nice, actually. On my first day in high school, I sat all alone at lunchtime. It was the classic story, the weird kid in the army jacket, horror movie t-shirt, and long black hair. I was more interested in music and being creative. People were never really mean to me. They mostly just left me alone. (laughs) Uh, I think, really, I just wanted to be alone. I know, right? So, yeah, it wasn't, like, necessarily a story of, like, being horrifically bullied like i assumed i was going to find out about and and learning about his like high school times but i definitely remember feeling like this as well like i wasn't like super duper bullied i had my moments but it was more just like i remember in high school having feeling just so isolated and just wanting the one girl that i decided was going to be the girl that for me to love me and that not working out and just being so broody and like weird
1: it's about just the it. it's the benign pain of like walking up to a group of kids and being like, "Hey, me too, right?" And then just silently but perfectly mentally communicating, "No, not you, <laughs> not, not you." Too.
2: And is this There's just something very funny about having an emotional uh, 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 project and an ethos that starts with? Uh,
0: to be clear, no one was mean to me, <laughs> but I felt sad anyway. Now, was this the album you came in on, My Chemical Romance? No, like um, I said, I've
2: never liked anything cool as it was happening. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I got the the uh, uh, year wrong for that concert. It's definitely two thousand six, right? or Seven. I I figured yeah, when you yeah, told yeah. me, I was like,
0: that sounds later. Yeah. Because oh yeah. four was them at Warped Tour, and apparently that was like this epic run for them. That was when they bl- exploded. Uh, in in terms of like the live touring scene.
2: No, this was definitely not when anyone was discovering this band. (laughs) I cannot
0: emphasize that enough. (laughs) So uh, this was uh, released in June of 2004. And in 05, they started out uh, opening for uh, Taking Back Sunday. They ended up playing sold-out shows all over the country and making a huge splash as a part of Warped Tour. So maybe it was 05. All right, now I'm fucking up the dates. They record, uh, the record is certified platinum in less than a year. It has a slow start. It is not it is not really breaking through at all and just slowly but surely especially being attached to warp tour and everything it just becomes huge It's
1: attached to yeah they have the warp tour and uh, reprise reprise uh, gives them like a real slick high quality producer to work with on the album. so it is way more popular, way more coherent than the first album. Uh, It's uh, produced by uh, a guy named Howard Benson, who had also worked on Papa Roach, All American Rejects, Three Days Grace, Three Doors (laughs) Down... Uh, of course, everyone remembers Three Days Grace, obviously. Oh, of course. If you can only see the animal I have become. I'm glad
2: you said that one. That's the only one I know. Oh, no, really? that's the only. Wait, do you, you know? know a Papa Roach? Oh, no, 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 no. I I meant no. of
0: Three Days Grace's yeah. Oh, music. yeah. I was lying when you I said that. You don't know the back out catalogs <laughs> for Three Days Grace? <laughs> Somebody get me through this
2: nightmare. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you said you liked
0: music. Jake, sing the whole thing to me. I need to I hear the whole thing. I can't control myself. <laughs> The whole rest of the podcast just you singing the Um
1: uh, I got to go to karaoke, man. I bet that will we'll fucking get. The I kind of want to do
0: the Black Parade now in karaoke. I like. Ooh, I
1: feel like it's a trap. I feel like you're you're stuck it's up too there. hard. Don't do I, it. I will say that, it's I will, Bohemian it. Rhapsody. It. I mean, yeah. this is why it, though.
0: But yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody's great to do. This is why though. Um, I do it my Twitch stream. People donate for us to do karaoke songs, oh, okay. and someone donated for the Black Parade, and I need to find the VOD because it is fucking. Atrocious because I'm not familiar with the song at all because I'm not. I've this never was before no. we did this. This episode. is before we did this oh, okay. episode, and now I feel like I have something to prove. I'm like, I can fucking nail it now. I can nail this. One. I can join <laughs> the Black Parade. <laughs> um, we're not there yet. We're no, not the Black Parade. This yet.
2: is this is a big moment though. So they take this album that d- doesn't have much traction, and then through dynamic performance yeah. and a heartthrob doing Freddie Mercury stuff, yeah, they they take over the charts or whatever. But and, and I do not have. An extensive outline in front of me. But is this the moment where Gerard Way's alcoholism starts to kick in? Like so, a
1: motherfucker. He actually, yes. Don't okay. forget Xanax. See, I know stuff. So I know he,
0: stuff. Helena, he during like the, the his grandmother's death, it was a sobering experience, he said, for him. And I think he was sober for like a Metaphorically. minute. Metaphorically. Yeah, for a minute. Well, no, and, and literally it's over. Like he, got, he stopped drinking for, I think, a pocket of time. And then they got huge. And I think that just... Woo! He just fucking started getting. How hurt. old
2: is he at this? Like twenty-two or well, something? I,
0: I should have kept. Tra- I should have kept track. I could tell you when he was born, at Man,
1: least. Man,
2: how
0: do you even survive if you become famous at like
2: twenty-two? Yeah, <laughs> because exactly. you're
1: twenty-two and your livers made of fucking adamantium. <laughs>
2: Are- it's it's
1: the, that's why they all die at twenty-seven because the fucking machine breaks. There. Wait, yeah, he was
2: twenty-seven.
0: Uh, he was born in mm-hmm. seventy-seven.
2: Seventy-seven uh-huh. to two thousand four would be twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well. Shit. Well, that That's is exactly when that would kill you, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah,
0: there you go. So I, I thought he was way younger by the time. He looks
2: great. Yeah.
0: We it's, cannot emphasize enough. He looks like a man child. <laughs>
2: He's like a perfectly symmetrical demon. <laughs>
1: He, I mean, also, he's wearing a lot of makeup. He yeah. got, those, got right. those, that weird eye band.
0: Unrealistic standards.
1: That fucking Blade Runner eye band going. That's true.
0: Uh, Gerard said, the kids are there for us. It's not so much us against them anymore. Now it's all of us together against something much larger. That's the best fucking feeling in the world. When a thousand kids are throwing their fists in the air and screaming along to a song, that's a fucking victory. But also, he said, we could sell a million records and still feel like the underdogs, which I kind of relate to, and that's when we move into the black parade gerard way getting hammered they're fucking selling out giant shows they're like almost about to be doing arenas. They're about to be so big. They're going to do Beatles style concept albums. And so. yeah. The and time has come.
2: The time has come. Can what? I just do like a tangent real quick, sure, though? Please. Because this is a Hit weird thing that happens in music regularly where a band is hitting their stride and it takes a long time to get there and they've finally done it and they're getting huge and they're doing music for teens. They're like, I'm here with the kids. <laughs> <and> we're flipping <laughs> off the, the assistant principal. We're saying, go home to your old maid. <laughs> and you're like, you're 27. <laughs>
1: yeah. Not it's- only that, but These they're doing it talk to you. on behalf of like rep- reprise records like they're the re- the only reason they're in front of this many teens is cuz they like quote unquote sold out yeah 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 and by sold out i mean they finally got with a company that can actually produce enough I can get them discs. on the map. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100.
0: Yeah. I I will say I do respect them though. The move for this band would be to continue Fuck making. Fuck you,
1: Van sneakers sponsor of the Warped Tour. <laughs> I mean, the move is to
0: continue making. I'm not okay's right. To continue yeah. making mm-hmm. albums that are like that, and I feel like they did take a huge risk by being like, no, we're gonna make this crazy concept album based on C- Queen and you know David Bowie, and they even talk about how they were. Like the execs were like kind of freaking out. Like, you want to wear co- costumes? What are you doing? Don't dye your hair. <laughs> just, why is your hair white? We have nothing now. No. Uh, so, um, this I,
2: in all seriousness, no, Vans makes a wonderful sneaker <laughs> and uh, we support them here. This episode brought to you by Cruiser. Vans, the last um, podcast network. Um, it has comfort for your feet.
0: Yes, absolutely. I actually was never. I'm. I, I'm literally wearing Chuck Taylors right now. I was never a Vans kid. I
2: refused. The thing about Vans is they're wide. I refused to like was, a Van
0: Jinkos and Vans. I I said no, 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 no. <laughs> and Pogs. I said no, 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 no. What did not you say? for me say?
2: Pogs. <laughs> oh
0: no! I meant. Uh, I wanted to get you to say no, no, no again. Never
2: <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no, no.
3: hey <laughs> I've been wearing <laughs> the same pair
1: of Airwalks since
3: 1999. <laughs> yeah. Why? You should, that's uh, why
1: your toes are sticking out of them. You gotta uh, get new shoes. I have so many bunions now. We're about to hit the dead of winter.
0: Uh, so this, the Black Parade, This, the, the reason for the season, I feel like, in a lot of ways, even though a lot of people would be like, the real shit's on Three Cheers. Uh, produced by Rob Cavallo, who did uh, albums like, I don't know, Dookie, uh, Nimrod, American Idiot, for Green Day. He did albums for the Goo Goo
1: Dolls. Uh, and he d- <laughs> Oh. At, uh at- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kid Rock, among others. Uh, oh, we should say at this point, uh, the drummer, policier is kicked out. He uh, is offended that everyone keeps telling him his timing is off. He uh, is maybe They say s- I'm a bad drummer <laughs> yeah. and don't know how to keep time in music. Uh, there's rumors of him being a toxic presence that was just like pissing everyone off on the tour. And uh, he is replaced by uh, Bob Beyer, who yes. is a sound guy that they or knew. brier or Bayer? I maybe whatever. Like, uh, no, we should Briar know this. Brier Rabbit. I think it's Briar. Okay, I trust. Like you. the rabbit. Yeah, like thank
2: the you. rabbit. Thank you. Bob. Consummate professional, Bob Brier. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. So, uh, this is recorded though in the Paramore Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> they recorded it. <laughs> of course they did. They recorded this album in a haunted house. Did you know that?
2: I did not know that, and that makes it much better for me, right?
0: Actually. They uh. So uh. They go to this haunted mansion. This mansion. Uh, was once the resident- 1,000 people were killed there after a man uh, was told (laughs) by the the devil devil. to collect their souls. A cup man. Um, (laughs) It was once the resident of a silent film star named Antonio Moreno and his wife, Daisy Canfield, uh, Danziger. And uh, she was an oil heiress, and they would hold many fancy Hollywood parties up until 1933 when Daisy died from a car accident. (laughs) And it was, <laughs> and it was implied that it was like some foul play was involved. It then became a creepy school for girls, and then it became a creepy nunnery. Um,
1: they don't <laughs> like. Talk. Oh yeah, as opposed to all those wholesome nunneries, <laughs> <laughs> they
0: they don't they don't like to even talk about their experiences there. But um, they are immediately just engulfed with odd feelings. Especially Mikey Way. He said he got the worst room. It was called like the blue room and had this weird blue light hanging from it that just emitted this odd glow. He literally stepped away from the band for a little while because he was freaking out so much uh wait so did they go there on purpose or they just ended (sighs) up in a haunted mansion it just makes sense that they would like pull the trent trent reznor recorded uh the biggest nine inch nails album um is that pretty hate machine no i think the one after that that has uh closer on it right Am I saying a bunch of wrong shit in a row right now? Either way, he recorded that at the uh, Sharon Tate murder house. I feel like oh it's, my god! I feel like it's a move. Yeah, like it sounds
2: like a move. It's like a specific
0: a, move. There's so many not haunted houses, right? That you c- could record your album. So Gerard Way. He, uh, he was experiencing night terrors, horrifying dreams. He would uh, dream about a hand gripping his throat, and he would be paralyzed. He had visions of Joan of Arc burning, as well as loved ones dying, and that is actually the song that inspired "Sleep," which is one of my favorite songs on the album.
2: That one always feels like like a Pink Floyd jam, and it's kind of thing. Oh, the
0: whole thing's inspired by The Wall hugely, yeah. The Wall and Night at the Opera by Queen. Um, as well as the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. I loved that video you sent me on YouTube, uh, Jake. That Oh, was...
1: that breaks down just, yeah. it's So the Black Parade is the story of the patient, which in the Black Parade video is that guy with the dark circles around his eyes. Uh, and the idea of the Black Parade is that that is the patient's vision of death and death will come for you in all sorts of forms depending on who you are, he but felt for him... would,
0: He felt it would, uh, that he, he was coming out with the concept of death will occur to you um as your fondest memory and so for the patient his fondest memory was when his father took him to a, i don't I'm just oh, say no. and in gerard's to cons, uh, uh
1: when he you was a the young
0: broad boy. strokes of what happens <laughs> i don't think anyone will be upset
2: turns out gerard
1: was a young boy and his little brother mikey went into the city to see a parade and ah. that's why he has that memory
0: gotcha and and even like uh, one of my favorite things finding out was like the first song is is very much like the first song in the wall musically, um, uh, which is The End, right? This is the yeah, first song. and then – I'm going to have to end. look at my track list for this. But, uh, yeah, The End is very much like the first song in the wall. Um, the first two chords of that song are the same two chords as the first song in The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. Um, huge homages to Bo- Bowie. Huge – obviously the way they're dressed – is an homage, uh, a dark homage to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Beatles. Those costumes, by the way, were designed by Colleen Atwood, who did all of like uh, Tim Burton's costumes. Yeah, yeah, I was about
2: to say he just looks like Beetlejuice. Right? like he's a totally. huge fan of Beetlejuice. Edward, Edward Scissorhands. He Sweeney loved that Todd. he would
0: spook you. Yeah, she 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 did those costumes. Um, and those costumes are super
1: rad for sure. Um, those music videos. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Teenagers is done by Mark Webb again, but. Uh, Welcome to the Black Parade and Famous Last Words are done by Samuel Bayer, who literally did Smells Like Teen Teen Spirit mm -hmm. and uh, American Idiot and a bunch of other like iconic uh, music videos. Like music videos that defined a band's image for their entire life.
0: And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make something that's completely timeless. Ray Toro said. The intention was to make something that was classic, something timeless, something that 20 or 30 years from now, parents could sit, play for their kids and say, this is what I was listening to when I was your age. Check it out. It's still cool.
1: Dad, right? why are you it's crying? Still
0: cool. We wanted to make a record you could pass down. There's a lot of music out now that doesn't feel like that. I Sorry, I interrupted you too. Oh,
2: no. What I just was going to say is that uh, they, they clearly had a lot of people helping them on this album with them, and it becomes you know, what they wanted it to be, which is a career-defining album. But it also just speaks to the level of hate this band got. I met this guy in college who uh, uh, we were talking about My Chemical Romance for some reason, and he hated My Chemical Romance. And then he was like, The Black Parade, that's a fantastic album. There's no way they did it. <laughs> that's so weird. Whereas the conspiracy is like people snuck up and gave them an album them and the then album. like snuck
1: away. No, it's because it's cause the concept album, the rock opera is great because it has an arc, and especially at this day and age uh, when this was released, people had stopped listening to entire albums yeah, for the most part. Yeah.
0: Uh, Jarway said of the recording process, it was totally draining and painful. I mean, it was super fun, but physically it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Going to bed at 6am, waking up four hours later and doing it all over again. That was every day. I was constantly obsessing over the record, not just musically, but all the visual stuff that went along with it. That stuff took so long because we could never just bang out a record, put a collection of songs out. We can't just do that. Um, and it sounds like it would have been incredibly difficult um, especially it.
2: because you're in a haunted mansion. That does add to the difficulty.
0: And then after that, and this is where things really and wake go- I had to go to sleep at six because that's <laughs> the when the ghost stops screaming. A woman <laughs> a woman covered in blood would get into bed with me. We'd try to sleep for four hours. She'd be licking my face. That, wake oh, back there. Uh,
1: within the universe of the Black Parade, that's Mother War. She represents yes. the aggression and sins of mankind. There's
0: Mother War. Also in that video, uh, uh fear and regret are yeah. other t- characters that are in uh, play parts in the whole album Um, just Neil Gaiman just like writing characters for
1: them apparently Grant Morrison really loved (laughs) it oh okay (laughs) well there you go so I don't know yeah um well it is that I mean it's it draws upon Gerard Way's unique background where he was like had this literally he was a comic book writer who like did a bunch of dungeon master campaigns with his like all the friends that he claims he doesn't have <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all and- these
2: people who were very
1: nice to me the entire time <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh and just like being in new close to New York and like being in student theater and like going to show tunes with your uh, parents, like it's was the. He had the perfect background to make this right. thing happen. Yeah. Of course, it, it could only happen to an
2: incredibly handsome young man.
1: Yes, he No, no, he, <laughs> he was a, a, old pictures. He was a sensitive, chubby boy, <laughs> and who was like dressed up like a tiny child lawyer in all of the photos I've seen. <laughs> okay. Weirdly,
0: all became right. a handsome young man um, just in time to get to- laid constantly by by being in a band about sad boy music. Um, so this sounds like the story of them running themselves in the ground in a lot of ways, especially because. After they do the Black Parade, the album, they go on a 138 performance Oh, it already
1: – it starts over the top. Yeah. Uh, Reprise has a giant album release concert where they – first, they uh, bring in everyone. They announce that My Chemical Romance is not going to appear. Before the band starts rioting, they're like, and now, please welcome the Black Parade. Uh, They released the first single on September 11th, 2006, just to be extra spooky about it.
2: (laughs) They're the most ghosts that
1: (laughs) day. They perform in character. Like, you know, they're in the costumes. Every interview is about, like, the mythology. A million little controversies uh, spark up all over the world where, like, literally every... Teen suicide that is, can be even remotely linked to emo music yeah. is brought in the footsteps of. It's MCR. just so weird
0: because I feel like no, nothing in that album is like kill yourself. Kill, it's just the, no. the
1: reprieve is we'll carry
0: on. Yeah, we'll carry on. We'll we'll. Uh, I'm not afraid to live. Yeah, it's like, and, and and in the end too, in famous last words is is the same. It's like I will I will live. Yeah. I will move forward. You know, and and it, despite also
1: everything. like okay, for the, like if we're talking in terms of like. Number of suicidal fans that like commit suicide, I'm pretty sure like MCR has an amazing saves record on their hands. Yeah, like, maybe.
0: Yeah, I, like honestly.
1: how many millions of like over the top blog posts were like, This band saved my life during this era?
0: Totally, totally. Uh, Alex,
1: did this band save your life? Yeah,
0: uh, no, I was just fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was too handsome to feel bad. So they go,
0: they go on this fucking crazy tour they wearing the costumes every night like doing this giant and honestly that live the black parade is dead i believe is what it's called is their live album which was also on spotify uh and it's great more of a clarifying uh, statement
1: (laughs) (laughs) please stop asking about the black parade but they
0: honestly that's how they felt by the end they were exhausted by this toro said Being this costume band in black night after night, country after country, it was a grind. We started to see the Black Parade as the enemy, one we wanted to kill on our next record, which would be Danger Days, the true lives of the fabulous Killjoys. Can I
2: ask one more question about the Black Parade? Please. Okay, so they're in character every night? Yeah. Do any of them, like... Is there any eccentricities to the characters aside from Gerard Way being like a band conductor? Is one of them like, and I'm the spunky one. And I'm the concept of sleep.
0: I think it was, yeah, I think it was more, I'm a drummer who can't keep time. (laughs) I think it was more like, because they probably played the whole thing every night, like from beginning to end, because it was a concept piece. Kind of like when Pink Floyd does the wall, they do the wall. they. Play it in order. They play, you know what I mean, as opposed to other bands who get to, I don't know. Let's not play this one. I'm sick of this one. Let's yeah. not play it tonight. But you know what I mean.
1: I, we can't. I feel like we, we're we cannot. Understate how much this album means to a very specific generation. It,
0: mean, it means a lot to me now. I love this album. I think it's really good. It's
2: very funny to me that the, the, the uh, progenitor of you getting into My Chemical Romance is just having to do an episode
1: yeah, of My Chemical there's Romance. There's so many of those things. It's the story of our show. I'm all about Junji
0: Ito right now because <laughs> we just did an episode on Junji Ito. All I want to do is read that stuff. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, Welcome to the Black Parade is the Bohemian Rhapsody for Gen Z and Millennials.
0: And, and there wasn't,
1: and, and I've read I, I a lot techn- of. But like. I read a lot of the
0: sentiment, though, that there was, like, none of that going on. See, we remember, even in our time, like— Radiohead, and there was so much even in, in, back then there was a lot of concept stuff not to mention what they're drawing from which is the music from the 70s there were constantly concept albums coming out but no there's like the
2: down's first album is a concept album y-
0: yeah uh, yeah yeah that's like a 90s thing yeah for sure and and that but it really wasn't happening in the landscape uh, right now for these especially these types of bands
2: it's also there's a concept album and then there's a concept album where like you can make a bunch of songs that'd be like that's all about a thing and right then another one would be like. You have to be wearing your pinstriped conductor's coat, or else they won't get it.
1: (laughs) Okay, for the record, I just quickly looked up top songs of 2006, just so we can understand, like, the The alternatives that, like... So it was the Black Parade, if you just were... None of this resonated with you. Uh, Bad Day by Daniel Powder... Said you had a bad day oh, that oh, way. Yeah. I hate that song. The number one song of 2006. I oh. completely eliminated
2: uh, that from my mind. Yeah,
1: it's awful. <laughs> and then oh, you brought it fuck back. Fuck you, Jake. Oh, <laughs> don't worry. The next one is You're Beautiful, oh. yep. followed by Promiscuous Girl by Nelly Furtado. Great song. Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. <laughs> Right in by Chamillionaire, sexy back by Justin Timberlake. Oh, I remember when. Sexy oh, back yeah. was
2: Justin Timberlake's promiscuous girl. Yeah. Yes, in my
1: eyes. Oh yeah. Is it weird that you just said the truest thing that has ever been uttered <laughs> by human minds?
3: Because there is that's
1: like a logistically pure state, like P equals P. That is what you just did. Um It's going down by Young Jock. Like, oh, okay, okay. The closest thing we get by the twenties we get Panic at the Disco with I Write Sins Not Tragedies okay. and Move Along by All-American Rejects. Okay. So like at best you can get All-American Rejects. So if you were an actual American Reject, right. Panic at the Disco was the fucking port you could settle in.
0: Uh so how do you th-
1: I'm I- bad at metaphors. It's a recurring theme on the show.
0: <laughs> I feel odd about Danger Days the True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. I turned So did they. I <laughs> put it on. I put it on and I turned to my my wife Lexi. And I said, you know, you can always tell when a band starts writing songs for arenas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what immediately from na 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 na. Nah na 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 is a song made for an arena. Right. <laughs> and, and and you know, I, I I was listening. I'm just like, man, this to and and when they get comfortable and happ when the goth band, yeah. uh, emo band gets comfortable and happy and rich and everything's sparkly and shiny and that's it's impressive th- they got this far
2: before it happens a lot of bands yeah. have like some success and are like you know what this is what i wanted this is what we do we're just doing a non song now
0: <laughs> <laughs> but actually i do appreciate what they tried to do originally they tried to make another like three cheers or really even bullets they tried yeah. to make another a stripped down album with um uh what was oh, name? No, the Brendan co- O'Brien who did uh Shake Your Money Maker by the Black Crows, who also are reuniting. Uh they uh which I love that album. That's what got him big. And then he did st- stuff for Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, ACDC, Rage Against the Machine, Gaslight Anthem, M- Mastodon and so many more. He's got an, an unbelievable track list. Uh and when they got together with him and they were all burnt out, he mandated no concepts, no costumes. Um and they got together and they were trying to do this stripped down thing. They said they were not. Uh, going to be hiding behind a veil of fiction or uniforms or makeup anymore that they quote Whoops. missed being they quote missed being a rock band that they also wanted to capture the energy
1: of their live shows so now let me tell you guys about Cobra Kid <laughs> <laughs>
3: I know I'm like and
1: what And his are you best friend about? Jetstar and fun Ghoul. oh my god
3: <laughs> so in
0: all, so in 2009 though they record an album that's what they are describing and they are struggling they essentially what happened was They came up with the – The
1: idea – no, literally the the quote that keeps coming up with, like, we had to make this one fun because otherwise we'd have murdered each other. (laughs) And and
0: it was a lot of, like – I think they made too many decisions about what the album was going to be before they just went in and started creating. And that shoehorned them into something that after a year of recording songs, they were like, oh, we hate this. This is not what – We're not good at this kind of music. Well, you can tell with that quote of
2: we need to make something fun, there's a song at the end of the album where they're just like – you know, fuck it. This one is about vampires. <laughs> well, we do not oh, know about vampires. You, like about,
0: you know what it's no. about, though? It's actually about uh, how Twilight... They kept getting approached to write a song for Twilight. Yeah, but, uh. and they were like, "Fuck your vampire money."
1: And I, I hate think it's called millions of dollars. Yeah.
2: I hate it. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, it's like McDonald's. You know, like after you've had it, if after you've had it twice in a week, it's just you, ugh, gross.
2: This <laughs> just goes back to what their conception of their band is being very strange, though, because it's like I understand if you're like an underground art, like hardcore band. If Twilight approaches you, that's unacceptable. But like you're an internationally touring. <laughs> costume band <laughs> just take the vampire money what are you even talking about
0: um so so yeah all the songs i'm describing that they recorded in 09 like three of them made it to the final album and th- even those were like completely redone this was all them trying to like go back to being a garage band and toro said we were trying way too hard to be perfect and be this other thing not that you shouldn't try to grow and develop but we were just killing ourselves with trying it wasn't fun so they scrapped all of the sessions and they go back to the drawing board with rob cavallo who they did the black parade with which makes a ton of sense because this album is totally a giant concept album uh, and it's totally like the opposite, though, of the Black Parade. It's just like big and it's, joyous. It's and... like a Coheed
2: and Cambria album. Yeah. That's what I think of. Because it's like every song is supposed to have like a story behind it, and it follows yes. Gerard Way's comic book or something. Well,
0: he puts out a comic book later, which is called The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys uh, that he wrote with Sean Simon. But yes, the whole thing's a concept, and the whole thing is so comic booky. The band's names, the characters they play in the album are Party poison, Jet Star, Fun Ghoul, and Cobra Kid.
2: If you write a character called Fun Ghoul, you are trying too hard to have
0: fun. <laughs> Listen, you're <laughs> yes, too exactly. on the nose. That's what it feels like. A this little. This is bit.
1: a concept that even like if gorillas tried it, they'd be like, "No, you cartoon idiots! This is too much." Uh, so, oh, it, also notice you only quoted uh, four members of that fictional band yes. because by this point, Bob Breyer had left in uh, March
0: of 2010. That yeah. sounds about right. That's around the time they're re redoing the album and going for this super like this band eats drummers pe- yeah it eats eats does them. there's uh, always no. that one every, in every band that's really successful and has a long run there's that one member that they just keep replacing well over the guy over they got again. to replace
1: Briar also got kicked out because he was caught on tour stealing a bunch of shit from them <laughs>
2: That's cool. I respect it. So, uh,
0: the
1: Killjoys
0: are a rebellion group against an evil corporation called Better Living Industries. Uh, The pirate DJ, pirate radio DJ is actually Steve Montano, a.k.a. Steve Rye, from Mindless Self-Indulgence. And... Uh, it is Gerard Way marries Lindsay, who was the bassist for Mindless Self-Indulgence, oh. and v- a very attractive lady. I remember being like, "Oh wow wow wow, wow when uh-huh. I uh, was into them. Who would think that Gerard Way would marry an attractive <laughs> lady? <laughs> that is a bassist, and like, um, you know. And have a
1: child named... Bandit. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> true. I forgot, forgot to Bandit write that down. Bandit way.
2: I didn't expect him to marry, you know, just like a dead woman.
1: <laughs> um.
0: So yeah. So for
2: that... the
1: last time, Jerry, I'm alive. Silence, dead woman.
0: <laughs> I miss you so much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Whatever. Can you pick up some chicken on the way home?
2: I'm not yes,
0: okay. my undead wife. Uh. So also, if you were, if you were, um, curious about those 2009 recordings um you actually can get, they released uh 10 of them as five double a side singles um uh, it, the whole thing's called conventional weapons also i saw it was all on spotify so check that stuff out um very and if very you're good. on
1: pandora it's a good cause. i'm sorry <laughs>
0: <laughs> so but in 2012 the band revealed they were building a studio in la for the band's fifth album they brought in Doug McKean as engineer. He worked on Black Parade and Danger Days. They brought in drummer Gerard Alexander and touring keyboardist uh, James DeWeese. What did James DeWeese do? Fuck, he was, he, was, he was big on a different band. I'll have to look it up in a second. And uh, But uh, on March twenty second, 2013, the band posts this on their official website. Being in this band for the past 12 years has been a true blessing. We've gotten to go places we never knew we would. We've been able to see and experience things we never imagined possible. We've shared the stage with people we admire, people we look up to, and best of all, our friends. And now, like all great things, it has come time for it to end. Thanks for all of your support and for being part of the adventure. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they James just...
1: James DeWeese was in the get-up, kids.
2: Again, yes, I cannot believe this this band turned down Twilight Money.
0: <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, they, they you know, Jarard Way has said, you know, gone back and said he really felt that The Black Parade w- was the final album even back when they recorded it. He was fighting with that urge that that was the case in- internally. Um, and just after the success of The Black Parade, it just, there was so much pressure for them to put out another... I don't know, black parade.
1: How many times can like a crying woman like look you in the eyes and be like, I would have killed myself if not for your music. <laughs> then you go like, eh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Who cares? I'm getting
2: into Netflix right now. <laughs> a lot of opportunities at Netflix.
0: So uh, Gerard Way said, when things start to succeed and go really well, that's when a lot of people start to have an opinion, and that's when you run into struggle. Everybody had a fucking opinion about what MCR should be. So it made it difficult to figure out what direction to take next. You get caught up in this trap of is it ever going to be good enough way also said it wasn't fun to make stuff anymore i think breaking up the band broke us out of that machine uh way later said i think if we ever did mcr again we wouldn't be in that machine anymore it would literally just be like here's a new piece of music we're putting this out and that's it this is not up for debate and way goes on to do a ton of shit most notably umbrella academy which was the first comic he ever did was canceled after two issues because his art team bailed on him. It was called uh, On Raven's Wings. It was published on Boneyard Press. But in 2007, Way puts out the Umbrella Academy for Dark Horse Comics about a dysfunctional family of superheroes formed by a mysterious entrepreneur referred to as The Monocle. He wrote and drew the original content, and cartoonist Gabrielle Ba redrew the art afterward. It's uh, contained in three volumes, Apocalypse Suite, Dallas, and Hotel Oblivion. Have either of you read or seen the Umbrella Academy? I
2: regretfully have not seen the Umbrella Academy. Me too. And I, 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 was I read.
1: I read Apocalypse Suite when it came out. It was fantastic. I get the hype. I actually like just from the perspective of a fan of comics at the time. This was a huge release. This was a real big hit. Baz Art like really gels with uh, Gerard Way's. Like if you look at both their art. It, it, Definitely, like, complements each other. And the show's
0: supposed to be good, too, right?
1: Oh, the show is fun. It has its weak points. I don't know whether... Is it, like,
0: a YA thing?
1: No, there's, like, a little bit of... It has the trappings of, like, a Harry Potter Child Academy thing, but then it, like, subverts all of those tropes. Because
2: I've read, like, uh, what's the one with the Assassin's School? You know what I'm talking about? You oh. guys read comic books? Uh, yeah, yeah, Yes, yeah. we do. But... I... And this one also got a TV show.
1: <laughs> I forget Legacies
2: maybe No, no It's something know. Academy Man I
1: fucking Anyway right now. <laughs> um, I know what you're talking about And I'm just and I'm just blanking um,
0: But also I just want to tell uh, Jake and Hillary Fear not I'm sure Umbrella Academy Is going to get its own treatment In a future episode We just yeah. like Don't even have time To cover it in this one There's, There's so simply much. no time There's so much shit going on With um uh, My gotten Chemical gotten Romance We all Mark- agree as a guest I've blown it
1: <laughs> also Alex blew it so he did not you... even
0: seen the show
2: what's he
1: gonna say how dare you just be honest about your experiences and make jokes oh don't worry
0: nobody gets mad when I haven't read or seen everything that is our source material for the week also, you've got – they released a greatest hits collection, May Death Never Stop You. And uh, Gerard Way put out a solo album called Hesitant Alien. His solo stuff's pretty fun. It's very – it's more glammy. It's more – His know, hair is pink. His hair is pink. Yeah, exactly. He uh, is Tumblr.com. Uh, Frankie Arrow and keyboardist James James DeWeese formed a band called Death Spells that is, like, pretty hardcore. And Ooh. actually, I thought it was pretty dope. Check cool. it out. Mikey Way formed Electric Century. They uh, put out an EP – Ray Toro put out his own uh, personal EP, and on the anniversary of the Black Parade, they put out a reissue, um, the Black Parade slash Living with Ghosts. It includes a bunch of demos and live tracks. Everybody was hoping they were going to like get together for a reunion show during that time. That was in um, uh, 2016, uh, but fear not, because on October 31st, 2019, the band per- Halloween, <laughs> Halloween, the band announced a reunion show on December 20th in L.A. and then. Right after that, they announced three more dates. Australia, Japan, and New Zealand for 2020. That's right!
1: The boys are back together!
0: Los Angeles, where dreams go to die! (laughs) Honestly, it is pretty creepy out there.
3: <laughs>
1: well, you'll be able to see our dreams die on December 11th when we do a live show in LA. Yeah, right before.
0: So there you go. Get your MCR tickets. Get your well, they're all sold out, but art aren't. <laughs> so get our
3: tickets. Come see an us. the
2: entire city doing a concept album. <laughs> Can you even
0: imagine? <laughs> we will be doing a Wizard and the Bruiser concept show. I'm I will be the Wizard. Jacob will be the Bruiser. We'll just make up a bunch of names of for everybody. I will be else. the Black
2: Parade. Yes, you will. You will just show up. <laughs> As the
0: Black Parade, Alex. I'll
2: just be on stage. All going to be is like I spent so
0: much money getting here, and we're just like, oh god, and we're just like we didn't invite him. We, he's ruining everything. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that's where where it ends. The story of the little uh, emo alt rock uh, post punk band that could, and a bunch of other genres. And honestly, I mean, I'm a bit of a convert. Like I said, I think uh, the Black Parade is a is a solid great album. Check it out if you're curious.
2: Um, well, I'm glad you liked the band, because if we came on and the show was just you asking me to say emotional things and then owning me, I would be have been shit. devastated. <laughs> be like,
0: you're wrong!
2: I was 50% <laughs> sure that's what was going uh. to happen. When
1: all you've got to keep is strong, move along, move along, like I know you, I know you do. I have that so was so all- girlfriends! <laughs> <laughs> that's all we had, and MCR was like, hey... Do you actually have mental health issues and 9-11 traumatized you? Come this way, the only freak children of the 2000s. If you have
2: bipolar
0: disorder and are
2: friends with a skeleton, you may enjoy. <laughs>
0: um, thank you so much for joining us, Alex Patak. Oh,
2: thank you for allowing me to talk about this incredibly delicate subject <laughs> in such a safe space. Surrounded by so many pictures of serial killers, I might add.
0: Yes, out of the LPN Network studio, um, tell us. About all your awesome shit that you do for the people who listen to this show to also listen to.
2: Okay, um, I, I mentioned uh, Pod America earlier. That I didn't mean to do a plug then. but I'm glad was. you did that because I should
0: have let you plug up top end at the beginning. So
2: um, so that's a sh- that's like a politics show, and then more directly, if you listen to this show, you will probably like balling out super. Hell
1: yeah, I, I love balling out. Super. It's
2: great. Jake has been on it. We're gonna have you two both on uh, soon. I'd love to. Anytime um and we we're covering different anime pilots we were tracking all of dragon ball super which has finally ended <laughs> in a very freeing uh wave for all of us i can now start doing a show without my friends being like eh just i would never watched <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that's we're having a beautiful renaissance over there check out ball out super hell yeah anything else Uh, I do stand-up and stuff in New York, so if you want to come see stand-up in New York, follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes, and I'll put all my stand-up
0: there. Hell yeah, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Ho. You can also check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wizbrew. And on there, just five bucks a month, and you get weekly bonus episodes. Uh, Thank you so much, by the way. I feel like we've gotten a bunch this week, uh, new patrons, and we really greatly appreciate it. Check it out if you're curious.
1: (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: shout out to the hold my popcorn podcast that just did their robocop episode and invite me on to nice. uh, share some of the secrets such as uh you know paul verhoeven's uh very clear christ metaphor that persists throughout the movie <laughs> um follow me on twitter at best jake young also hey no, that wasn't a joke. We are going to have a show in L.A. on December 11th. Yes. Please uh, Google, buy tickets. And we are also going on a Midwest yes, tour Yes, Midwest in shows January. in
0: January. Three Midwest shows. I don't have it in front of me, but trust me. January
1: it's 9th, 10th, 11th. There you go. Chicago, Illinois. There you go. Pontiac, Michigan. Fuck yeah. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Fuck you. Be there and be square. Page...
0: 138
2: nights.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the black parade of guys screaming about anime. Okay. <laughs> now, Hayao Miyazaki differs from sat- Toshi Kon in these many yes. ways.
0: Uh, and hey, always remember, keep on whizzing. Never stop bruising. Don't laugh at our sign-off!
3: It's a I good sign-off! It's it's a, a I'm side getting
0: off. over a cold! <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to LastPodcastNetwork.com